Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is JJ Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us on this Wednesday, May 3rd, 2023. Hope that you're doing well as we're going to continue our end-of-year review series on today's show. We'll talk about a couple of transfers this past year for Duke basketball and Ryan Young and Jacob Grandison. My buddy Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast will be with me to co-pilot our episode here today. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to Locked On Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. We're available each and every day. Leave us a five-star rating and written review as your support for Locked On Blue Devils means the absolute world to us. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson, underscore. Without further ado, let me bring on my good pal, Josh Cox, who joins us here on the program today. And Josh, here we are in the month of May, and we're always able to find ways to kind of look back at this Duke basketball season. Well, yeah, and a season that was, you know, impacted by uh, by these transfers and, um, you know, in, in positive ways. And so, uh, obviously, it's kind of something new uh, to Duke basketball uh, over the years have not taken – many uh transfers we can count you know we can count them uh pretty much uh but now it's the new wave of, of college athletics and so yeah jacob and ryan both had good seasons i'm looking forward to talking about it yeah i got to come over to duke and, and be a part of an acc tournament championship winning team i mean both these guys uh, had experience elsewhere in the college basketball world at the conclusion of the show today we'll talk about a couple of the the transfers that have made an impact for duke over the last decade or so, but it's got to be something from the outside knowing the Duke basketball brand. I mean, if if you're in college basketball, you're well aware of what Duke is and then getting the transfer and be a part of it yourself. Yeah. I mean, both of those guys, you know, played at a high level, um, you know, previously uh, in the big 10 to Duke, but there's just something different about that. There's a, there is a step from uh, definitely a step from Northwestern to Duke and, and, and a step from Illinois as well. I mean, those are both, reputable schools uh we you know we love uh chris collins and what he's doing at northwestern <clears throat> but at the end of the day there's just something different about the duke brand and what it what it feels like to play in cameron uh you know for all your home games and and, and whatnot so yeah for sure while while they came from solid d1 programs this was definitely something new for them both coming from the big 10 and now playing for the duke blue devils we'll start with jacob grandison who duke was his third college team that he was a part of as Grandison, uh, of course, started at Holy Cross, then transferred to Illinois, playing in the Big Ten, and then ultimately was able to come over and transfer for Duke. When you think about Jacob Grandison's season, big picture, kind of what is your big takeaway? Um, you know, I, I, I think he was very helpful in some games. I honestly was expecting a tad bit of a different vibe from him, uh, you know, coming into the season. If you looked at his numbers – uh, from Illinois and kind of the way they used him. I was expecting him to be a little bit more of a defensive stopper. Um, and then, you know, his numbers from three were down a little bit um, from, from Illinois. Um, but all that to say, uh, he was a veteran voice, and you could tell that he had earned the respect of his teammates very quickly. And anytime you have a roster full of, you know, 18, 19-year-olds, it's always good to have a 22- or 23-year-old yeah, uh, in, no in that locker room. And, you know, and I felt like he – 
he did well for being a transfer. You know, obviously their their leadership or influence is limited um, because of the length of time. Um, but I believe he did well there. And like I said, there were a couple of moments this season where had it not been for Jacob Grinson, we've got a couple of more losses on our on our schedule. Yeah, stepped up big time for Duke this year. We talked a good bit about um, some of the injuries that bothered Duke throughout the season. Credit to Grandison playing in all 36 games for Duke. The corner three-point percentage is something that we were absolutely raving about with what he was able to do in college basketball. But in totality, as you mentioned, shooting 33%. From three-point range, uh, I think we were expecting a little bit more pop. But also there were times where, you know, to, to back up Jacob Grandison here a little bit, Josh, when he was on the floor – he wasn't necessarily uh, emphasized on the offensive end, right? Like, right. sure, he passed up a couple of shots from time to time, but there were also opportunities where Duke could have gotten his shot going, and for whatever reason, the ball just didn't end up in his hands. Yeah, I mean, he shot 41% from three um, in the previous season at Illinois with higher usage. You know what I mean? So, like, he was playing more minutes, getting more shots, shooting the ball better. So I don't know if it was just the role he had to take on. Um, he wasn't a focal point of the offense. We know that. Um, and he just didn't get his shots, man. Uh, at the end of the day, that's that's all there is to it. I mean, there were several times I can remember vividly where, you know, he was he had the ball in his hands with under five seconds to go in the shot clock, and that's not ideal Jacob Grandison territory, you know. So and you're right. I'm not sure that we put him in the best situation for him to score points. So we'll see, obviously, looking back on the year that was, no more college eligibility for Jacob Grandison. Um, certainly happy that he was able to be a part of the brotherhood, able to be a part of an ACC tournament championship winning team. And like you said, uh, was asked to do certain things. There are games this season that Duke does not win if Grandison is not on the floor. So credit to him for what he was able to do. Yeah, and let's not overlook the fact that he's going to leave here with graduate uh, credit uh, of yeah. university, you know, we, we kind of overlook that sometimes, but I know he's still around uh, finishing up his studies. And, uh, and, and I mean, I believe Jacob probably has, if he wants it, he probably has some overseas. No doubt. Um, yeah. You know, Absolutely. potential, uh, but you know what? Some guys want to do that. And some guys don't want to do that. Um, you know, moving overseas is, is a, a major step, especially, I don't know his like, you know, st- relationship status and things like that. There's a lot that could go into that, right? So uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where Jacob lands, if he lands in the basketball world or he seems to be a brilliant guy and he may land elsewhere. Let's continue talking about these end-of-year reviews for transfers on Duke basketball. Ryan Young made an impact this year for the Blue Devils, and we'll have that conversation after our first time out here on today's show. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. This is, I got to say it, America's best tasting protein bar that you're going to find out there. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to be trying Built Bar. It's healthy and tastes amazing. And the best part, these bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Go try out my favorite flavor, cookies and cream. And they're now available at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get those specialty flavors online at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, and coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab their 13-bar box with our hip flavors, brownie batter puff, churro puff, and so much more. 
Built Bar is a proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. Moving forward here in today's episode, alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcasts. Plug your podcast, if you will, Josh. What can people expect and where can they find it? Yeah, absolutely. We just recorded uh, last week or so um, our recap of spring practice and spring uh, the spring game, the blue-white game. Uh, we take a deep dive into Duke football. Uh, we're going to bring you some content throughout this offseason with some interviews, uh, looking to get uh, athletic director Nina King back on, uh, hopefully this summer. Um, got a, another interview coming up this coming week that we'll uh, release uh, next week. And so uh, we try to bring you in-depth coverage of the Duke football program, just even as we recorded this about an hour before we recorded. We found out some transfer portal news and all these types of things. There's a lot of moving parts around the football program, Coach Elko and what he's doing there. And so we try to keep you as informed as possible. So you can find us anywhere you look for podcasts. Uh, just search Section 17 Podcast and we'll pop up. And we'd appreciate a follow. And if you enjoy the content and we earned it, you know, like like you would do for JJ here, five-star ratings and reviews help us out. So we would yeah. appreciate it. Make sure you go support them in the work that they're doing. They do great stuff uh, there at the Section 17 Podcast. So, Josh, as we continue to move forward here on today's show, and we're looking at our end-of-year reviews for certain guys on the Duke basketball team, Ryan Young is another guy that transferred into Duke after some Big Ten experience, played at Northwestern for a brotherhood fellow Chris Collins. They're the head coach there for the Wildcats, and Young transfers in. A big picture summation of what we saw from Young this season. What comes to mind for you? A big picture is I believe that Derek Lively um, has a lot of his success to th- he, has, he has Ryan Young to thank for that as being a mentor. I believe Ryan Young had leadership abilities and skills. And then his on-the-court play, um, especially in the first two months of the season, it was very important because Lively was trying to get his feet under him. He was trying to come back from that injury. There was a lot going on. And when I think of Ryan Young, I think he was essential to what Duke did. And I love the fact that he's got an, an extra year of eligibility remaining yeah no he gets to come back and play another year for Duke and and the fact that he was able to be there in the post with the young bigs coming in lively Filipowski Mark Mitchell bumping bodies down there Christian Reeves even who will make an impact for Duke in the years to come I mean I think that's uh, we talked about just the the presence and the maturity and so many of those other factors that don't necessarily relate to whether or not you're making shots or grabbing rebounds on the floor but also to your point about Jacob Grandison, a couple of games this year not going in Duke's favor if Grandison's not out there. Josh, I think we can very much make the same case for Ryan Young this year. Oh, probably in a greater way, just to be honest with you. Um, like I said, the first – I'd say the first two months, maybe even two and a half months, even until the middle of, jo- of January, um, you know, Ryan Young was a necessity on that court. And he's got such a um, – such a unique game compared to today's uh, college basketball player. Right. He really has that old school throwback game. He, uh, he has great footwork down low. He uses pump fakes. Well, he's not very athletic that uh, he dunked in the ACC tournament. And like the team was cracking up and <laughs> he doesn't get uh, many of those. Uh, but I will say, you know, we mentioned Grandison's numbers compared to his, his final season at Illinois. If you look at Ryan Young's numbers, he played similar number of minutes. He did not score as many points, okay? But obviously, he's not going to be asked to do that at Duke like he would have been more at Northwestern. Right. 
But I love the fact that like his his actual shooting percentage, his free throw percentage, greatly improved um, at Duke compared yeah. to what he was at Northwestern. And so, you know, I don't know what that tells us about incoming grad transfers, you know, because we had one that seemingly underperformed related to his previous season. We have another one that seemingly upped his game uh, from the previous season. I was kind of hoping, to be honest with you, JJ, when I was researching for this episode, I was hoping there was a correlation somewhere where I could be like, hey, they do the <laughs> same thing no matter right. where you're at. There isn't. Um, but but Ryan Young, I mean, we saw it even in the Duke Blue Planet or, or the videos after the game. His personality, the guy. Incredible personality. Yeah. yeah. He's got a great, like, voice and, like, He's like he has this kind of funny, like humor uh, side to him, humorous side to him as well, and so not only was Ryan Young, I believe, very important to last year's team, he's going to be very important to this year's team. We all know this, JJ. It's no secret that that five spot right now, it's a question mark for Duke. There's some chatter about the transfer portal. Uh, there has been, and there still is. Uh, but at the end of the day, we could wind up with with no one taking that spot and we're going to have to Ryan Young is going to play a role no matter what if we get someone in or we don't Ryan Young is going to play a major role in next year's success without a doubt and excited to see what kind of a role he can play uh, in next year's success thrilled to have him coming back if you're watching us on YouTube you can see the numbers there on the screen by the way make sure you hit that subscribe button and like this video as well but 68.5 percent shooting from the floor for Young I mean he just really was so efficient and you needed that, right? Because we talked about Lively earlier in the week and looking back at his year, uh, you know, he was just a main dunk guy, right? That's where he was getting a whole lot of his offense. Uh, and so to have those efficient scores on Duke's team this past season, I think was really important. And Young was one of those guys. Yeah, and Young had the uncanny ability to get the a shot blocker's timing off, you know, with the way he moved his feet. His post moves are great, man. Yeah, you really the way don't he, expect it. You don't yeah. expect it looking at him, but he gets it yeah, done. He, he could get his shot off against anybody for the most part. And, uh, and so that, that was really cool. And I do think too, where, where he lacked in, in just raw athleticism, I think he made up for in his leadership and his knowledge of the game. Um, you know, you didn't feel bad. Now I know there were certain games where you felt like, you know, for instance, the Tennessee game, uh, where you felt like, you know, lively needs to play every second of this game. Right. Right. There were games that just weren't for Ryan Young. Right at the end of the day, the Carolina game, for that matter, Armando Baycott, probably not a good matchup for Ryan Young. Right. Um, but there were plenty of other games where Ryan Young's 15 to 20 minutes that he played in a game were very important. And he was uh, and he was he was able to contribute at a high level. We're big time. That's for sure. No doubt about that. So kudos to uh, Ryan Young in the season that he had. I think our big takeaway here is we're fired up to have him back for another oh, season. Yeah. Whatever transfer bigs could come in. This freshman class, I think he's going to be a big brother figure for them like he was this season. And, uh, man, we're fired up to get to another season of Ryan Young in Durham. Wouldn't surprise me, JJ. Uh, yeah. This might be a first. I don't know. Seth may have done this. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a team captain next year. Yeah. Um, uh, because I think that, that position, at least historically. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, historically at Duke has not necessarily been your most talented player. It's been – the guy who leads that locker room, the guy who keeps everybody in the Duke culture and, 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 you know, leads the Duke culture in a certain way. And so it would not surprise me at all if he was one of the captains next year. 
You mentioned Seth Curry, and that kind of sets us up for how we'll wrap up today's conversation. But but looking at the last decade plus or so, kind of the transfers for Duke basketball that have had a big impact on the program, and we'll have that conversation here in just a moment. Thank you so much for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen here today, making us your first listen every day for that matter. Every day is victory. Check out tomorrow's show as well. we got to keep these end-of-year reviews going and also continue to keep you updated on what's going on with Duke in the transfer portal. A couple of bigs have entered recently. Duke has been connected with a few names, and we'll break all of that down on tomorrow's show. Make sure you check us out and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. After this show is over, make sure you go over and check out Locked On College Basketball. My good buddies Isaac Shade and Andy Patton are doing a remarkable job telling you everything you need to know about this college basketball offseason. They're getting you ready for the NBA draft coming up as well with a lot of the college prospects that are there. So don't miss that. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's also available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Final few moments here of today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. All right, so we talked about transfers today. We talked about Ryan Young and Jacob Grandison. And just a thought exercise for Duke fans out there who can add to our conversation here in the comments below on YouTube. What have been significant transfers to stand out for Duke in recent memory and that sort of thing, Josh. So I'll turn the floor over to you uh, with some names that come to mind. Yeah, I mean, we already mentioned uh, Seth Curry. And Seth, you know, obviously um, Steph's brother and kind of still is. I mean, and that's just fair. I mean, this is an NBA podcast, but arguably one of the most incredible uh, performances ever in that game seven uh, against the Kings. Um, But Seth played his first season at Liberty University. Um, and I think averaged right at 20 points a game and, you know, as a true freshman and kind of realized he was, you know, ready for something yeah. bigger. And Led um, the entire country in freshman scores that season. Yeah. And then he comes into Duke and, I mean, really uh, turns into that exactly what you would have thought. I mean, he shot the ball incredibly well. Um, you know, I'll never forget that he was the guy in the corner uh, when the Austin Rivers shot yeah. the, the, the UNC shot and – you know, calling for the ball in the corner there. And, like, probably most Duke <laughs> fans would have been like, yeah, please, yeah. get the ball to the corner to Seth. No, no. Um, but, but Seth, I mean, he, he stands out to me as, I'm, I would say, probably the most decorated and successful um, transfer. I think if you want to go second to that, you're looking at Rodney Hood. Those are two guys who came to Duke as transfers and then went to the league. Yeah. So if you want to look at it that way. Uh, you know, Rodney Hood came in, man, smooth as silk, lefty, and, you know, came in during a time when, you know, he was definitely needed in that rotation. So those two guys, uh, Curry and Rodney Hood, are the kind of the first two that, that jump off the plate for me. No, for sure. I, I think that's fair to say. And obviously we're looking back to, you know, the, the 2010s era or so. There were transfers prior to that, but just thinking in recent memory, yeah. what it's kind of looked like. You look at Curry – three seasons playing for Duke as opposed to just these one-year runs that we've had with a lot of people. His transfer season was also during a time where players had to sit out a full year 
without playing. That was the year that Duke won the national championship. So Curry was, in fact, a part of a national championship team, even though he wasn't able to play in any game. But he's practicing each and every day and then had just three absolutely terrific seasons there for Duke. Rodney Hood, another name you mentioned, who started his career at Mississippi State, played one year there for the Bulldogs, and we only got one year of Rodney Hood at Duke in a season where he teamed up with Jabari Parker yep. and was an excellent player for Duke and turned in to a first-round pick. I think we wish we would have had a little bit more time with Rodney Hood there in Durham. Yeah, it would have been nice, but, man, uh, that season, that was – some incredible offensive performances yeah. between Rodney Hood and Jabari Parker. I mean, I'm not sure that Duke fans really appreciated that in the moment, uh, like, you know, like they should have. But uh, Rodney has gone on and had a successful pro career, spent the majority of his pro career with the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, but has bounced around a little bit. And, in fact, I think he might be out of the league right now, if I'm not mistaken. He is, yeah. I, I believe he is. He had an uh, but, Achilles injury that kind of yeah. set him off for some time. But, yeah, the, yeah. the Blazers, the Jazz, the Cavs, he's, yep. he's been around the block a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but, I mean, just a successful career. And, once again, that, that's the way I put these why, – why these two guys, in my opinion, are kind of in their own category because they came to Duke and then they went on to be pro players for many years. And Seth, obviously, still doing his thing and is not slowing down at all. Uh, you look back, back. I mean, you're talking about Rashawn McLeod way back in the day. Yep. He also went pro, played with some with the Hawks and whatnot. Uh, but once again, we're not talking about that era, per se. We're kind of talking in the 2010s. So I think these two guys stand out, for sure. Yeah. Last year's team in the Final Four run had Theo John, who comes yeah. over from Marquette. Uh, I think in so many ways, um, Duke's toughness a season ago was so beneficial for Paulo Bancaro to be there. Theo John just finished up his first year in pro ball playing with the Capital City Go-Go. Uh, which is an awesome G League team name yes, <laughs> there, and, uh, there for the Washington Wizards. Um, but, you know, Theo John is a name that actually was able to play on the floor. We've had, I'll, I'll shout out some names here in a moment, but these are also guys that actually made a big impact on the floor for Duke. Uh, I don't think there's been a, uh, a transfer that won the fan base over as quickly as Theo John. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, I felt like everybody became Theo John fans like sure. within the first two weeks of the season. Um, and he just had that that toughness about him. I mean, honestly, his counting stats and stuff weren't that great. You know, sure. like his his number. But man, there was just something about that guy. Like, like take I want to take that guy with me. I want him on my team. So tough. Yeah. 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 And like he 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 may lack some you know some in some offensive areas for sure. And he's limited in what he can do, but man, if if we if we rolled in a Theo John every two or three years on in the transfer portal, I think Duke would sign up for that ten times out of ten. No doubt, um, immediately barking at UNC fans, and yep. and you know he had the back and forth with Caleb Love throughout the sea. I mean, it was just incredible uh, the toughness that Theo John was able to bring, and forever a part of the brotherhood, being on a Final Four team in Coach K's last season. Yeah, and I think something that uh, – and you mentioned it earlier with Chris Collins, but I think uh -huh. it's something to look at with the Coach K uh, coaching tree uh, because, I mean, we're not going to talk about these guys, but we had Harvard uh, – uh, we had a Harvard transfer this past year Shell coming yeah. Yeah, from, uh, from uh, Tommy Amaker. And then the Theo John um, was a – Chris Wozniakowski no longer there but yeah. was there, and he was his coach and recruited him and brought him in. Yeah. So I do think there's something to be said for that. I mean – as, as Duke guys are kind of connected in different ways, 
throughout the country now that the transfer portal is what it is. If you're a coach and you have a guy leaving, it's an easy phone can, call for those coaches. You can help him exactly. <laughs> you can help him get to a place like Duke if he fits. Why not? And so I think that's something Duke fans yeah. can just keep their eyes on. You know and in those coaches' hearts, like Collins, Amaker, Wojo, Chris Carowell was there yeah. on Wojo's staff with Theo John was there in their hearts. I think they're okay with kind of setting Duke up for success right. by sending. Well, they're going to leave anyway, right? Right, they're leaving. So, like, right. why not try to help them out, and not, why not try to help yeah. your alma mater out? Yeah. Right? So, so Theo John, you know, uh, a big time contributor for Duke in the toughest category, and, and just rebounding and everything that he was able to do a season ago in that Final Four team. Um, you mentioned Kale Catchings from Harvard. Max Johns comes over, another Ivy League guy this year. Yeah. Bates Jones was a scholarship player for Duke that came over from Davidson. Of course, Daniel Jones, younger brother. Uh, Patrick Tappe, remember, transferred in yep. and played for Duke um, from San Francisco here in recent memory. So, yeah, a couple of guys making the impact there for the Blue Devils. Or went to San Francisco after Duke came over from uh, blanking on where he came from. But, uh, yeah. Who was it? Uh, Patrick Tappe. Um, I forget where was it Columbia? Goes. I think it was it may have been. Yeah, who knows? May have been. Um, shout out him, whatever he's up to. I was about to say, in control. three years, he'll be the guy that's like, let's talk about uh, grad transfers that we forgot. Later. <laughs> <Patrick>. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, Josh, thanks for the time today, man. It's always great to see you. Hey, man, great to see you too, JJ. Have a great week. Go check out the Section 17 podcast, support their work. And thanks so much for watching Locked On Blue Devils here today, your one-stop shop for everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.